J-Cut, and this is The K-Cut. I'm Rachel, and I am here with my co-hosts. I write for Films Fatale, and I specialize in lost film and international cinema. Guys, give yourselves a shout-out. James here, stay-at-home husband and a full-time content creator. I am one half of the Prefer to Say podcast. I produce and release music under the A-List Boutique Paul. I also write for Films Fatale, and yeah, that's about it. I'm Andreas. I'm the creator and one of the primary writers of Films Fatale. Um, I love international cinema and art house, but uh, as you're going to be finding out very shortly, I also am a sucker for the award season. I'm also very into a lot of game shows, and I'm not going to lie, this episode was partially inspired by the recent crazy runs that we've had on Jeopardy, whether it's Matt Amodio or uh, currently Amy Schneider, which I hope I don't jinx us. Yeah, I hope I don't jinx this by the time that this that this gets uh, released. But uh, yeah, in recent memory, in one season, two of the greatest runs in Jeopardy history. So um, I felt like doing Jeopardy here would be a little too hard, especially with coming up questions. But I feel like trivia now, I feel like especially two of us uh, love trivia of all sorts, or especially film and TV related. And I felt like that could be really good, especially because we've had about a year, over a year, to figure each other out, know what we're into, know what where our specialties lay, where, know what we know, and try to put each other to the test with uh, the coming up of our own trivia questions. So um, I actually came up with five different categories and all three of us have made um, one question for each. So in this order, we're going to go with uh, contemporary cinema because I feel like that's something that is kind of easy to start off with, um, but it's still difficult enough because that's so broad. Uh, the stipulation I gave was within the 2010s or even or the 21st century, century, I think I said. Yeah, uh, 21st century. So that yeah, that, that checks out. Um, I guess that's a bit of a bit of a clue to what mine is. Mine's the 2010, so my bad. <laughs> 21st century, uh, recent enough, fresh in our minds, but still pretty open and, and can be difficult. Uh, our second topic is uh, smorgasbord films. So, if you pay attention to the K Cut, we have a series called the Cinematic Smorgasbord, where each month we recommend films to one another. Now, let's put ourselves to the test and see if we have retained anything. So. That could be interesting. Number three, I feel like it's going to get a little bit more technical, major movements. Take from that what you will. Uh, cinema has all sorts of genres, movements, times in history. So that could be very, very interpretational in a whole myriad of ways. Number four, just to really challenge us in a different way, um, worst films ever. Again, take from that what you will. So I'm interested to see what everybody came up with. And number five, just to go the complete opposite direction of the first question, as obscure of a question as you can make. So um, I won't even bother asking what that's going to look like. Uh, let's let's leave that kind of a secret. So is everybody ready? Sure. I've never been more ready for any episode in my entire life. <laughs> awesome. So <laughs> what we can do is um, we can rotate uh, who goes first with each question, and I'll actually keep uh, a little tally of everybody's score. Um, bragging rights is surprised. That's it. Nothing more than that. So um, 
We're not going to be too cutthroat here. There's going to be a lot of fun. Also, speak for uh, yourself, dude. Okay, well, now it's personal. <laughs> now, now I'm going with the harder questions that I prepared. <laughs> um, uh, what I, uh, the, the criteria I basically said was any type of trivia question. So it can be, um, you know, listing stuff, true or false, uh, multiple choice, whatever works. Nonetheless, the way this is going to work is we're going to have it. So, uh, Rachel, since you're super excited, you can start first. I'll go second, and then James will go third. And then with each question, we will rotate to the next one. So I'll start question two. James will start question three, et cetera, et cetera. Does that work? That sounds good. Fantastic. So let's kick things off with contemporary cinema. Rachel, what is your question for us? For contemporary cinema, what percentage, I must say this is a question that is true today, what percentage of all women nominated for Best Director as of today, true right now, were nominated in last year's ceremony? So out of all the women ever nominated, what percentage were only nominated this time last year, roughly? Oof. The problem is, I feel like you've said this before and I've completely forgotten. It's a staggering number. I've told you guys multiple times. That's why I picked it. <laughs> yes. It's a staggering number. Um... And if you can get within two uh, percentage points of the final percentage. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen. If you say like 10%, maybe. Um, I know it's large. I know it's large because, I, and I, this saddens me, not many women have been nominated in the history of the Academy Awards. And last year already was more than one. So that makes it a little interesting. Okay, so... I've got a number. I've got a number as well. All right, let's press enter in three, two, and one. Okay, James said 50%, and Andreas was 28%. It's actually 28.5, which I said 28 or 29. So Andreas actually got it almost exactly right. Oh. Um, seven women total have been nominated for Best Director in the entire history of the Oscars. Two out of seven were nominated last year. They were Emerald Fennell and Chloe Zhao, who wound up winning. Now, I don't want to jinx it, but chances are that will change on February 8th when the nominations are announced for the new uh, Oscars. Yeah, because we can actually uh, increase the number of uh, female directors by as many as three this year, but you never know. We know for sure one, I think. Yeah, for sure Jane Campion potentially make it Jalen Hall. Let's not to get too ahead of ourselves. My my line of thinking was there were two nominees and yeah, there weren't that many. And for some reason, 25 to 35 rang in my head. So I tried to go right in the middle. I don't know how I got it so exact. Well, you were pretty much dead on. Don't know how. But, uh, <laughs> Who's keeping score, by the way? Uh, me. Everything's going to be one point, by the way, unless we want to make things interesting and make the obscure question double. Who knows? So at the end of each round, I will go over the scores. So, okay, I'm going to ask the next question. Um, okay, so this is a bit of a list question. Um, you don't have actually have to name what they are. You could just give a number, but you can think out loud. So we all love Leonardo DiCaprio, correct? I guess. Kind of. Sometimes. <laughs> okay, so uh, sometimes. He he is one of the most revered actors of all time, so is Daniel Day-Lewis, who is extremely, extremely reclusive when it comes to how many films he stars in. And it seems like in the last 10 years, 
Leonardo DiCaprio has also been very selective with the amount of films that he chooses. So, excluding, excluding shorts and documentaries, so only feature films, how many has Leonardo DiCaprio starred in since 2010? Now, I want to emphasize that this includes the year 2010. So, from 2010 until the time of the release of this pod, how many films has Leonardo DiCaprio starred in? Just need a number. It's weird how we all went with numbers. <laughs> Shoot, I think I shot mine early. Oh well. That's okay. Just uh, James, just don't look. <laughs> okay, I won't. I, I won't. Alrighty. So both answers have been submitted. Um, so Rachel went with six. James went with five. He's actually made a little bit more than you would think, but still not many. Uh, Rachel gets the point. She's closest ten. So those 10 films are Shutter Island, Inception, J. Edgar, Django Unchained, Greg Gatsby, Wolf of Wall Street, The Revenant, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Don't Look Up. And if you want to include unreleased stuff, there's Killers of the Flower Moon. So technically the answer is either 9 or 10. But, oh, wow. Neither of us got there anyway. Yeah, either way, um, Rachel, uh, I'm going to hand this one over to you. So uh, Rachel gets a point. Alrighty, James, what is your contemporary uh, cinema question? Okay, so th- this one's a bit out, out there. In the early 2000s, which director was developing a Batman adaptation before Christopher Nolan was signed on and ultimately made Batman Begins? Is this multiple choice or is it just like a shot in the dark? I, I can I can do either or. Um, well, since ours were shot in the dark, I don't, I don't mind doing a shot in the dark and just guessing. It might be a little bit harder because you can't really say who's closer if it's a name. Right. I'm just totally guessing. I, I would pick the most aspirational one. I would like to direct a Batman movie, but I have a feeling it's wrong. Yeah. Okay. I've got a, I've got a name as well. Uh, I'm going to press enter whenever you're ready. You good to submit, Rachel? Oh uh, yeah, I can go. Okay. Um, I'm going to press mine in a three, two, one. Oh, okay, okay. So, um, I went with Marta Scorsese, and it looks like, Rachel, you went with Ron Howard? Yeah, that total shot in the dark. Oh, yeah. wow, that's yeah. a, did you say that too, you'd like to make a Batman movie? No, no, I would I, I would much rather a skilled director make a Batman movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you're probably thinking, like, who's realistically going to be making one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, unfortunately, both are wrong. The correct answer was Darren Aronofsky. Of course, it's a James question. That would have been awesome. He was actually developing an adaptation, a direct adaptation of the graphic novel Year One. Ah, okay. Okay. Man, if this is your contemporary question, I I dread the thought as to what your uh, question is going to be. Okay, so uh, that's round one, everybody. At the end of this round, uh, Rachel and I are tied with one, and James presently has zero. Now, should we add points if the uh, trivia question giver has stumped everybody? What do you think? Make it make it interesting. I'm I'm open to that. All right. Well, uh, let's make it a, a triple tie then. So, James, since none of us got it right, it's a triple tie because uh, we we cur- you know we definitely have everything set in stone, and this is so professional. We're making up stuff on the fly. So we should all be on Jeopardy. We Can should you imagine a Jeopardy episode with the three of us. Oh God, it would it would never end. <laughs> 
It would never end. And I feel like when it gets to like uh, history questions or science, we'd be screwed. But everything else, oh, I'd be cutthroat. So, alrighty. So I'm going to kick off the second question. Yeah. And then James will start the third round. Okay. So for the second round, this is a cinematic smorgasbord question. So we are looking at, you know, kind of rewinding the films that we all recommended to one another seeing how, how that goes. So it's interesting that you asked about the Academy Award nominated um, directors, Rachel, especially, uh, you know, when it, in regards to women, because I was having a similar train of thought for the smorgasbord question. I went back and I looked at all of the, the K-Cut podcast episodes. And in terms of films that we have recommended, including collective picks, where all three of us have to watch the films of one director, um, Four women have been chosen. So um, you have to think of four, as many as you can. Uh, in the chat box, write as many as you can remember. And whoever gets the most will win the point. So this includes individual and collective. Yes. Oh, man. And there I just forgot every single thing we've ever done. <laughs> it's a spicy one. <laughs> oh, man. While while you're both typing, I honestly thought that we had more, and I'm gonna make it a mission to make sure that we get more. Yeah, um, initially I thought you were gonna ask the number of women, and so I put in my guess, and it was much higher than that. That's the thing, because that was the initial question I was gonna have, but then I was like, wait, we only have four or so? Wow! Like I, I was like dumbfounded. I think the thing is, I get confused with the recommendations we make to the audience. Um, no, I'm going to make sure that more women are, are brought up in my actual recommendations to, to either of you. So um, look forward to that stuff in the near future. I remembered one. Okay, so James, you have one. Are, are you sticking with one? No, I'm going to try to remember Okay, more because like it's, oh, I'm just trying to remember which films were directed by women. I just threw in a couple of random names based on like what I know about our film tastes. Because you never know, right? I think I'm just going to go with the one I have because that's the one I, I like vividly remember. You never know. Are we are we both ready or still need I'm ready. Okay. I'm good. Okay, I'm going to count you both down in three, two, one. Wow. Okay, so um, uh, I'm just going to say right off the bat, I think Rachel got every single one of them. What? So oh, I think you did. Oh, man. <laughs> Wait, I don't think we did a Jane Campion film. Did I recommend the piano? I couldn't remember whether I did or not. Oh, okay, no. No, 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 no. Actually, uh, Jane Campion's the only one that's off. Let us let us know what the answers were. Uh, so the answers were, uh, in correct order, uh, Ida Lupino, that's for sure correct, uh, Claire Denia's one, Miranda July, and Suzanne Boyce, who did uh, The Four-Eyed Monsters. Okay, I totally forgot about her, so. Oh... For the listeners at home, uh, James remembered Ida Lupino, which was from our latest uh, podcast. Yeah, that was that was the one where I was like, I know that one. I totally forgot about Miranda July and that wild movie she did. That was a crazy movie. I, um, I, I'm sad because I, too, thought I recommended Jane Campion because I bring up the piano all the time. Um, We've definitely talked about it in like three different episodes. And now we're talking about it in the fourth one and expect a fifth one. Just And just, we're talking about Jane you know, Campion's potential Oscar nomination. <laughs> I'm surprised no one's assigned me the piano yet. 
Because I saw Oh, well, it. it's coming. <laughs> it's coming now. Anyway, so James, you're next. What is your uh, smorgasbord question? Okay. This is going to require a little bit of thought. I think Rachel might get this one, though. Who made their feature film debut in our fourth collective film assignment? Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't remember what order we put them all in. <gasps> okay. Okay. I know, I think I know what it is. Do you want like a small hint? Oh, well, uh, Rachel, you can have one if you want. Okay. It was my second pick. Yeah. I, I'm certain. I know what it is. I, I like this question because it's technically true. I mean, it is true, but it's also very sneaky. I'll say why once, once we submit. I think I got it. Okay. When do you want us to submit, James? And three... Two, one. What are the submissions, James? So, obviously, Rachel picked Kristen Scott Thomas, which is the correct answer. Heck yes. Andreas, you are wrong because Prince's feature film debut was Purple Rain. Wait, did you say directorial debut? No, I said feature film debut. Ah, crap, I misheard. (laughs) Oh, that's so annoying. You remember the movie, though. I heard, for some reason, I misheard it as directorial debut. And I was like, oh, that's a sneaky question because people don't think of Prince as a filmmaker all the time. Oh, man. You you had the right idea, though. I'm glad at least Rachel got the question right. So, Yay. And at least we, we got the right film under the cherry moon. All right. I, I swiftly want to move now on, I Rachel. Now I sound stuck in my head again. <laughs> Rachel, what is your trivia question before I die of embarrassment? Okay, my trivia question. So for Smorgasbord, for a while we were kind of working on our format, so usually we now assign a collective film, but for our first Smorgasbord, we didn't have a collective film. So for the second half of the first Smorgasbord we ever did, which topic did we do instead? Oh, I know this one. Oh god, I thought you put Prince again. (laughs) (laughs) That's it, from now on, all of my answers are Prince and I'm losing everything. Okay, I, th- I I have my answer. I think I knew. I think I remember what it was. Okay, you guys can go whenever you're ready. Okay, I'm gonna go now. Yep, you both got it right. It's the most anticipated films of 2021, which shows you how long ago we did this episode. My pick was In the Heights. That movie turned out to be pretty meh, and it is the reason I have trust issues. Okay. <laughs> my film didn't even come out. I chose Blossoms from Wonkar Y, like a TV, a TV miniseries movie release. It didn't even come I think, out. I picked The Suicide Squad, which I did enjoy. Okay, so I guess I guess you won technically in a, in a sense, but uh, in terms of the points, we we got a tie. So um, at the end of that round, uh, luckily because of that last question, uh, James and I are not getting our butts kicked entirely. Uh, Rachel is in the lead with three, and. Uh, Myself and James are tied with two. So now we're getting into some pretty technical uh, territory. We're going to go into major film movements. So James, kick things off. Oh, fun. Which film movement helped normalize the use of digital video in feature filmmaking? Oh, my God. (laughs) Can you repeat the question? Which film movement helped normalize the use of digital video in feature filmmaking? Oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) Okay, I I think I've got an answer. I'm ready to go in your Andreas. Okay. All right. Three, two, one. 
Okay, Andres put new queer cinema, and Rachel put guerrilla filmmaking, which is not untrue. But the correct answer is Dogma 95. Oh, right. Oh, I was going to say that. Oh. So, uh. and how that happened was, so for those who know the thing about Dogma 95, they, they would follow this set of rules. And Lars von Trier posed this question of the use of digital video because one of the rules was all camera work must be handheld. Film cameras aren't light. So they figured, oh, okay, if it has to be handheld, we can use video. And then from there, it has to be transferred to Academy 35 millimeter. And the first two films that came out of this, The Celebration and the Idiots, when they debuted at Cannes, it was so divisive because there were people who were like, this is the future of cinema. And everyone was like, video, that's garbage. And uh, The Celebration is actually one of, you know, was one of the films that really inspired a lot of independent filmmakers to start using digital because it was cheap and it gave artists actual control. Ooh. Okay. So as the person who uh, gave the question, um, do you think that Rachel's answer works? Gorilla filmmaking. Can we give half points? Um, sure. I don't see why not. I feel like I should stay out of this cause it's my potential point. I, I don't see why not. I'm just trying to be fair. Um, uh, sure. Let's, let's give half points. So, uh, Rachel's at 3.5 now because uh, we're making up rules on the fly. Like, who's lying? So. James is going okay. to catch up, though, I think, because he likes to ask really hard questions. Yeah, evidently. <laughs> um, okay, Rachel, so uh, you're up. <laughs> Please wish me luck. So for major movements, which country did kitchen sink realism come from? And for a bonus point, can you name one movie from that movement? What? Is it kitchen sink realism? Kitchen sink realism. I thought I had the hard questions. I've never even heard of that. I literally stumbled across it on Wikipedia like a week ago. I, I'm regretting this this pod, <laughs> this topic. Oh my god! I just picked. I just picked a random country. I've never even heard of it. What was what was the question? Where did it come from? And name an example. So I'm looking for the name of a country, and again, the name of the movement is kitchen sink realism. Oh my god. I, I have no idea. Just throw it out there, guys. I mean, there's you've got like a 1 in 197 chance of getting it right or something. Okay. Only because there's like one thing I have in mind. So one second. Uh, I'm just typing it. Okay. Uh, I, I have no idea, but I've, I've got an answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. In three, two, one. Okay. Yeah. Andreas said Belgium and James said Indonesia, but neither are correct. Oh, of course not. <laughs> it's the United Kingdom. Oh. What? So it was most common around the mid-century. And once I tell you some of the movies, you will understand. Um, there's Room at the Top, um, This Sporting Life, Alfie, Georgie Girl. And then some later examples include Vera Drake and Fish Tank. And these were oh. very much working class dramas. They talked about social issues. Um and they were really all about trying to make society better for everybody. And they were very realistic and gritty. Okay, so I wasn't too, too far off because uh, the film that I put for the bonus question was Gene Dealman, which uh, deals with uh, working class feminist uh, filmmaking. So um, yeah. at least I was close in that respect. But yeah, way off. Man. That's a good question. I'm about to check this out. week I did a neorealist film for Films Hotel. So that's where I stumbled across this movement. 
Ah, uh, okay. I would uh, totally like recommend that you do one of those uh, kitchen sink uh, realist films for for the column. That would be awesome. Nonetheless, what's not awesome for the rest of us is that you're up four point five now. So <laughs> this is this is looking this is starting to look like an Amy Schneider type of situation or a Madame Odia where we're just getting our butts kicked. So, uh, uh, fantastic. So hopefully, I've asked one that's similarly as difficult because uh, I'd like to get that point back. So uh, a much more heard of wave of, of filmmaking. So you know a little bit more boring, is French New Wave. So, uh, and this is a very specific question. Which of these French New Wave directors had a film first? Now, I want to emphasize that this doesn't mean the first French New Wave film, but just a first film of any sort by the following French New Wave masters. Do shorts and other non-feature films count? uh, Just features. Okay. Okay, so the the selections are A, Jean-Luc Godard, B, Claude Chevrolet, C, Francois Truffaut, or D, Agnès Varda. If you need me to restate the question or uh, selections, please let me know. I hope we don't get bonus points for, or we don't lose points for spelling the French incorrectly. Yes, yes, you do. No, I'm kidding. No, that doesn't matter. Oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put the letter because it's multiple choice. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, fair enough. If you, if you remember them. All right, I've got my answer. I'm ready to go. All right, uh, let's let's have at it. Okay, so uh, Rachel went with Claude Chabrol, and James went with Francois Truffaut. So, in order of most recent de- uh, feature length debuts. Jean-Luc Godard is last, Breathless is 1960, François Truffaut, uh, The 400 Blows is 1959, and what's considered the first French New Wave film, uh, Le Beau Serge, is 1958 by Chabrol, but the first film by any of these French New Wave masters, La Pointe Courte, is Agnès Varda in 1955. So technically, I guess, I guess nobody got it right. Which gives you oh. a point. Yes. I wasn't expecting that. For some reason, I, I, th- I felt like um, I felt like the Agnes Varda thing would have, which uh, for clarification at home, the reason why it's not considered French New Wave is because it's considered a part of the left bank movement, that film, which uh, was instrumental for French New Wave, but still, you know, specificities. All right. So nonetheless, before we get into the terrible films category, um, Rachel is leading the way with 4.5. I'm in second with three, and James has two, but it's still anybody's game. And at the last second, we've decided that the obscure film category could be double. So who knows? It's anybody's game still. Alrighty. So for the the worst films ever category, I guess I go first. And uh, I'm really excited to hear what everybody else has got for this category because it's just such bonkers potential. So... Uh, are easy of you familiar with the Babe Ruth story? Yes. Alrighty. Uh, I have a feeling, like, if you've seen it, I have a feeling that you might actually get this one right then. So, and uh, one of these is the correct answer. <laughs> if you've never seen this, it's going to sound like I'm lying. What does Babe Ruth's called shot home run of 1932? So basically, he pointed in the direction of where he was going to secure a home run, hit a home run, and yeah. 
everything's great. So what did this home run do in the maligned biopic, The Babe Ruth Story? Did the home run, A, stop a war, B, cure a sick child of a disease, C, make his future wife fall in love with him, D, cure a fan of their blindness? One of these is real. All right, I've, I've got my answer. Okay, I have a feeling Rachel has it. Or, okay, so did, did both of you pick D? Am I reading this correctly? Okay, so uh, bo- both James and Rachel have picked a cure to fan of her blindness. Uh, the answer is actually uh, curing a sick child of a disease. Of what? course. So he visited a, a kid at a hospital, and uh, he was asked to, to hit in a home run in a very specific place, and the, the child suddenly started to heal, which is ridiculous and really stupid but uh that's why it's considered one of the worst movies ever made so when babe ruth did his first movie he used to buy tons and tons of tickets to every single showing of of the film when he was in a particular city so i think he was the only one who watched them (laughs) oh man now that is the babe ruth story (laughs) all righty rachel um I, I'm curious because you, you seem to know some really obscure films I've never even heard of, especially in a category like this, like that that Christmas Squirrel one. Anyway, what bad movie trivia do you have for us? Okay, for the worst, which YouTuber got his own feature film in 2010? Oh, God. Oh, that's easy. I don't know my YouTubers. I'm on YouTube, but I don't specifically follow YouTubers. Um, 2010? Oh, God. Um, okay, I, I, I've got to guess. I don't even know if this counts, but okay, I'm ready. I'm ready whenever you are, James. I'm good to go if you are. Already, three, two, one. Ah! Okay, so Andreas said the annoying orange, and James said Fred. James is correct. I, as soon as I read it. Yeah, for those of you who don't remember, Fred was a kid who spoke really high-pitched on his channel all the time. He made more money than all of us ever will put together. And for some reason, he was very famous around 2008. Uh, good for you, kid. And he's still YouTubing to this day as an adult under a different name. I think Lucas. Uh, my, my girlfriend told me about this guy like like last year in 20, 2021, and I, I did know this, and I completely just, I think as part of me did not want to know that I learned that this guy and his channel existed, so. <laughs> you you want to hear a wild fact about this movie? Okay. <laughs> there is a reference to Harmony Corinne's gummo in the film. Why? There's a scene, <laughs> at least I, I think this was in the movie, there's a scene of him in a bathtub, and there's bacon taped to the wall. Oh, which like is. Gummo. Yeah, just like that. I was like, how how do we have like obscure art house film references in Fred of all things? So does that mean that Werner Herzog approves of Fred? I don't know. Well, I don't know. We'd have to ask him. Anyway, uh, what is uh, what is your, your question, James? Which film has the most Razzie awards? Ooh, shoot. Um, okay. Technicality. Does this include like legacy wins, like worst of the decade and stuff? Um, I just looked up who has the most and I found the answer. Oh God. Um, I feel like I should know this. Um, wait, so which film or which person? Which film? Which film? Okay. Oh, I feel like I should know this, Well, I'm going to. Okay. But let me know when you got an answer. Cause I've got at least a decent guess. I think. Okay. I've got one. One, two, three. 
Oh, I think I think Rachel's right. <laughs> Rachel's right. It's Jack and Jill. Uh, I said uh, Kirk Cameron saving Christmas, but Jack and Jill. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yep, has the most Razzies. Definitely is one of the worst films ever. Didn't Adam Sandler win multiple for terrible acting? Yeah. Well, uh, rightfully so. <laughs> okay, so uh, at the end of that round, uh, Rachel still has the lead with 5.5. Um, I've got four. I was so close until that last question. Thanks, Adam Sandler. Another monstrosity you brought to my life. Um, and uh, James has three. So this is the double round. I don't know if anyone's going to get any of these right because it's the uh, obscure round, but you never know. So, uh, Rachel, you cap off the the final round how obscure did you get okay well you guys know i love lost movies so i picked a lost movie and i don't know if any of you have heard of it but here we go the first canadian feature length movie is now believed to be lost what was it called and which topic was it about and you gotta get both oh my god what oh my god Oh, I told you it was obscure. I'm at a disadvantage because I'm American, so I automatically. Well, admit- it sounds like Andreas has never heard of it either. So no, there, oh. there's there's nothing. I have no advantage. Um, <laughs> uh, well, at least we're gonna have interesting answers, I guess. But what is it called, and what is it about? Mm-hmm. Knowing Canadians is probably some sort of like a documentary or like a. Um, okay, let's say, and it's lost. Okay. Um, so we cannot find it, but maybe it's in an archive somewhere. Keep looking, guys. Okay, so I'm going to just try and come up with a snazzy title because I have no idea. Okay, I've got nothing already. You ready, James? Let's go. Three, two, one. So Andreas did the spiffy dog sledding, and it's about dog sledding, which is not a bad guess. And James put, I don't know. So... um. The first Canadian feature-length movie came out in 1913. It was called Evangeline, and it was based on the epic poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And it was um, the story of the deportation of the Acadians from Nova Scotia and the Maritimes. So um, these were French-speaking people who lived in the area, and they were deported by the British because basically the British wanted to take it over. And... Many moved south to Louisiana, and that was um, and that was where the term Cajun came from, Acadian Cajun. And so this was turned into a poem, a quite a beautiful poem. And reading it, it's so evocative that you can tell it would make a really good silent movie. And then it was made into this movie, obviously an important Canadian story. And then someone trashed it, apparently. That's so much more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Wow. Well, that makes me sad that it's lost now. Well, maybe somebody will find it. Well, I can tell you what you did find. You found uh, two points. Uh, so, because <laughs> you stumped us both. Uh, All righty. Um, James, what's your obscure pick? And uh, are we going to get it right? <laughs> All righty. Which director released two features in 1974? One of them won Best Picture, and the other won the Palme d'Or. Oh, I know this. Let's get them points. Do we have to say what the films are? You don't have to. You can if you want. Okay, I'm ready to go if you are, Andreas. Yep. Three, two, one. Yep, and you both got them right. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola released The Godfather Part Two and The Conversation in the same year. 
the conversation won the Palm d'Or and the Godfather part two won best picture beating the conversation, which was also nominated for best picture. Yeah. I miss those days of Francis for Coppola. Um, speaking of pairs. Uh, so uh, like, the, like two pairs of films, uh, Rachel got two points and I got two points. So we both got two points making it four. I don't know. Um, I, I, at this point, uh, I, I feel like Rachel's run away with it, but I, I will still, uh, surrender my last question. And uh, mine's also got to do with uh, lost films. Uh, I might as well just have made it a lost film category. So the first prominent black filmmaker back in the silent era, the early days of filmmaking is Oscar Michaud. And unfortunately, only a couple of his films remain because everything else is lost. So which of the following Oscar Michaud films is not considered lost, which is one of the very few remaining surviving films. Deceit, The Betrayal, Body and Soul, or The Wages of Sin? I've got uh, at least a guess. Okay. I have a guess as well. Alrighty. Okay, shall we send it in? Yeah, three, two, and one. Okay, so... Uh, Rachel said the betrayal. Uh, James said the wages of sin. The answer is body and soul. So it's C. Oh, I almost went with that. Of course, none of us got it. Yeah, it's unfortunate. He's made uh, I don't even know how many, like uh, like thirty, maybe even more, and only three films remain. I don't quite remember what the other two films are, but body and soul I've actually seen, so that's why I knew about that one. So uh, it's the end of the trivia and. Uh, okay, so James has three points. I've got eight, and Rachel has 9.5. So, uh, Rachel, you are the winner. You have a breaking rights. Before we get into our outro, do you want to thank anybody? I, I'd like to thank um, the pub crew in Stockholm who got me trained for this, and my BFF, you know where you are, because you got me to trivia in the first place and completely ruined me forever. Alrighty, everybody. That's, uh, see... Listen, listen to that speech. Short and sweet. We don't need to play out the music and everything. So, uh, fantastic. Uh, let's uh, follow suit in wrapping up things nicely. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and now that we have presented what we know about movies, uh, we're going to, uh, you know, say goodbye with our random recommendations of the week. But before we do that, we've got some film recommendations to give for our smorgasbord. All right, so for Cinematic Smorgasbord, we are going to be doing collectively Time of the Gypsies, and then our individual picks are Holiday, The Red Turtle, and Nowhere. Um, And you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the K-Cut. Amazing. So who wants to give a random recommendation first? Does the winner want to go first? All right, because there's a trivia competition, I'm just going to say it. Everybody go watch Mean Girls, and if you haven't seen it in 10 years, go watch it again. That's going to be my random this week in honor of the mathletes. And it was filmed at the University of Toronto in one, and the math competition was in one of my former classrooms. I haven't seen it in a really long time. I, I've got to check it out again because, uh, like, do you mean in, uh, like, in Ontario or uh, which which school was it filmed in? It was filmed. Uh, it was filmed at Convocation Hall at U of T for the mathletes scene, and all uh, most of it was filmed in Toronto. Oh, uh, UFT. I might still recognize it because I've, I've uh, listened in on a few courses, although I didn't attend. So now I'll have to check that out again. Um, I'm also going to go the uh, the uh, 
subject matter route, and I'm going to select uh, my favorite film directed by Robert Redford. That's a quiz show, a real-life story of the game 21 and how one of the first beloved game shows on television actually was very, very infamous with its amount of cheating that took place. So it's part game show drama, part courtroom drama, um, you know, the building up of lies and deception and the real story needing to come out. So quiz show by Robert Redford. You know, I think I'm going to keep up with the same motif. I'm going to go with Magnolia by Paul Thomas Anderson, just because it has that storyline with the child prodigy competing in a game show. I like it. I like it a lot. Which was partially inspired by his time actually working on a game show. Which one did he work on? Uh, I don't remember what it was. If I remember correctly, it was partially inspired. But yeah, I think he like did something on set for a quiz show or something like that or some sort of game show. I had no idea. Cool. Well, uh, no more quizzing because our brains all hurt. Let's uh, all relax and unwind a little bit. That was the K-Cut. And now we are going into the L-Cut. 